Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to New Heights Educational Group radio show. My name is Kaden Behan, your host and a volunteer for New Heights Educational Group. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. So on to today's topic, basically what I wanted to do was sum up a few books that I thought that really impacted me um, when I read them, uh, that I felt that were good reads um, that progressed from young reader to slightly uh, adolescent reads to more mature adult reads. And so I just wanted to just have a casual kind of review of these books and hopefully provide suggestions to those who are looking for a good book to read, um, either for a project or just for leisure. I found some books that I really, really enjoyed, and so I just want to share them with the audience. So the first book that we're going to talk about is The Book Thief by Marcus Zusek. Um, This book I really, really loved, and it's a great read for... um, middle school through high school readers. It's very simple, um, very colorful, and very descript. Um, but at the same time at the same time the content is definitely very uh adolescent friendly, um, definitely in that middle school to high school range of comprehension and understanding. And so we're just gonna read what's on the back of the book to give you kind of a synopsis of what the book is about. It is 1939, Nazi Germany. The country is holding its breath. Death has never been busier and will become busier still. By her brother's graveside, Liesl Memminger's life is changed when she picks up a single object, partially hidden in the snow. It is the gravedigger's handbook, left there by accident, and it is her first act of book thievery. So I begin the love affair with books and words as Liesl... With the help of her accordion playing, Foster Father learns to read. Soon she is stealing books from Nazi book burnings, the mayor's wife's library, and whatever books can be found. But these are dangerous times. When Liesel's foster family hides the Jewish man in their basement, Liesel's world is both opened up and closed down. And additionally, there's another there's a review from the New York Times that I wanted to go over because it gives you a little bit more insight into the book. Um, This is by Janet Maslin. The Book Thief resembles other, better novels that have been widely popular. Its roundabout approach to the Holocaust suggests everything is illuminated light. Its embattled, feisty young heroine is 
has a Potter's appeal and Potter's referring to Harry Potter appeal. Um, as she makes her way through a mystifying adult world, there's a Vonnegut Whimsy, which is another author that you might be familiar with, especially if you're in high school. You might have read Slaughterhouse-Five and other books by Vonnegut. There's a Vonnegut Whimsy to the mordant turns of fate here in the novel, and Mr. Zuzek's narrator, narrator offers constant manipulative size as in the clever Lemony Snicket books, although in the case with it is not much of an opinion. The narrator of uh, the book Thief is, in fact, death. So how can a tale told by death be mistaken for a young adult storytelling? Easily, because this book's narrator is sorry for what he has to do. Quote from the book, to me, war is like the new boss who expects the impossible he can find. On many occasions, one must... Um, on one of the many occasions when he campaigns to win the reader's approval. You see, he says about the demise of one of the book's best like characters, even death has a heart. The use you use sorry, <clears throat> been a little sick lately, so it's a little difficult to read. The youthful sensibility of the book thief also contributes to a wider innocence. While it is in set it's set in Germany during World War Two, it is not immune to the bloodshed. Most of this story is figurative. It unfolds its symbolic or metaphorical abstraction, which basically means it is not heavily concentrated in the war itself, but it's more or less telling a story as the war unfolds around it around the story of Lizel Memminger, um, who has love with books and um, with reading, it really changes her life. So when Lazel's mother disappears, she is left in foster care, and a great deal has been taken away from her. She steals books to settle the score. The first book taken by Lazel offers a sampling of Mr. Zuzak's real but easily oversold charm. It's called The Gravedigger's Handbook, and it's subtitled A 12-Step Guide to Gravedigging Success. Lazel finds it at the cemetery where her brother is buried in the beginning of the book. It becomes her link to her past, even after she puts it in the care of Rosa and Hans Huberman, whose household is colorful and the point of dangerous whimsy. Hans find life-affirming ways to play the accordion, for example. So basically, this um, review is just summing up kind of what the book is about, but I don't want to give too much away. Basically, the, as I said before, the story surrounds Liesl and her journey um, as a uh, young child through the hardships of being involved in in the time where World War II is taking place in Germany. Um, so you get elements of that, historical fiction. There's also a slight romance, but it's not overdone. And um, But mostly it has to do with literature and love for reading. So if you really love to read, then you can definitely um, enjoy this book, which is a book about love for reading. And it's really well told um, and it's very unique in the way that it is told. And I really loved it and I definitely suggest it for those who are interested. And like I said before, it's very um, friendly to young readers. The next book that I'm going to talk about is a little bit more um, complicated to understand, I think, for young readers. I definitely say once you start to get into high school, this book would be a good read, uh, a good challenge. And it's called The Fountainhead by Anne Rand. Typically, by the time one reaches high school, you've read at least one book by Anne Rand. And I think this is Anthem. Typically, people read this um, in middle school. And so I read that in middle school. And then I came to find this book, which was a little bit more hefty. It's kind of a very, very long book, almost 1,000 pages. So it can be a little bit intimidating. 
Um, and also the language is very, very, um, it's not dense, but it's very, um, it's definitely a lot, uh, it's definitely meant for people with higher vocabulary um, who can understand it a little bit easier than a middle schooler. So I definitely say towards the end of high school, this book would be a great, great read. So the book that I'm talking about is Anne Rand's Fountainhead. Um, in the Fountainhead, the protagonist, Howard Rourke, is an individualistic young architect who chooses to struggle in obscurity rather than compromise his artistic and personal vision. The book follows his battle to practice what the public sees as modern architecture, which he believes to be superior despite an establishment centered on tradition worship. However, how others in the novel relate to work demonstrates Rand's various archetypes of human character, and all of which are variants between work and the author's ideal man of independent mindedness and integrity, and what she describes as the second handers. The complex relationships between Rourke and the various kinds of individuals who assist or hinder his process hinder his process or both allow the novel to be at once a romantic drama and a philosophical work. Rourke is Rand's embodiment of what she believes should be the human spirit, and his struggle reflects Rand's personal belief that individualism should trunk collectivism, which is the belief that any philosophic, political, religious, economic, or social outlook um, that depends on the intervent that emphasizes the interdependence of human beings. So just to give you a little background, um, the description of the book kind of doesn't really prepare you for what the book is actually about. Um, Anne Rand wrote these books um, around the 1930s, and during this time, um, if you're in high school, you probably will know a little bit more background about this because I think you probably touched it a little bit more in history, but during this time, communism was starting to become more prevalent, um, more favored view um, in a lot of different areas, especially in Russia, where Anne Rand is originally from. And so uh, Anne Rand was very against communism. And so her books really reflect that she's very for individualistic spirit. Um, she has her own philosophy called objectivism, which is very much like the exact contrast of uh, communism. And so if you keep that in mind when you're reading the book, you can kind of understand what philosophy she's presenting. So I definitely say that this book is um, very, very, very interesting. Definitely if you're interested in philosophy, um, if and if you're also interested in this time period as well, it has some historical uh, elements to it. And additionally, I think that it's a very good book for um, older young adults, uh, as they start to branch off of high school and become independent, because I think it very much caters to that independent spirit, rebelling against the establishment. A lot of things that teenagers tend to typically um, go through and side with. So I think it's a very fulfilling read for um, young adults, especially those finishing high school into college. It's a very, very uh, riveting and very fun read. And this author, even though it's so many pages, she has so much to say. In these pages, I don't think there's anything wasted. And I definitely think that if you're into philosophy um, and you're into storytelling and you're into romance and drama, I think you're really, really going to like it. Uh, this is a really, really great, great book that just has so much material in it, so much for the reader. Uh, and I highly suggest it. 
Additionally, another story that I read recently um, was Princess, a true story of the life behind the veil in Saudi Arabia. And this is by Jean Sassoon. So the book synopsis is Sultana is a Saudi Arabian princess, a woman born to fabulous, uncountable wealth. She has four mansions on three continents, her own private jet, glittering jewels, designer dresses galore. But in reality, she lives in a gilded cage. She has no freedom. She has no control over her life, no value, but as a bearer of sons. Hidden behind her back, black four-length veil, she is a prisoner, jailed by her father, her husband, her sons, and her country. Sultana is a member of the Saudi royal family, closely related to the king. For the sake of her daughter, she has decided to take the risk of speaking out about the life of women in her country, regardless of their rank. She must hide her identity for fear that the religious leaders in her country would call for her death and punish her honesty. Only a woman in her position could possibly hope to escape from being revealed and punished, despite her cloak and anonymity. Sultana tells of her own life from her turbulent childhood to her arranged marriage, a happy one until her husband decided to displace her by taking a second wife, and the lives of her sisters, her friends, and her servants. Although they share affection, confidences, and easy camaraderie within the confines of the women's quarters, they also share a history of appalling oppressions, everyday occurrences that occur. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. That in any other culture would have been as shocking as human rights violations. Violations. 13-year-old girls forced to marry men five times their age. Young women killed by drowning, stoning, or isolation in the women's room, which was a padded, windowless cell where women were confined with neither light nor conversation until death claims them. By speaking out, Sultana risks bringing the wrath of Saudi establishment upon her head and the heads of her children. But by telling her story to Jean Sassoon, Sultana has allowed us to see beyond the veils of the secret society to a heart of a nation where sex, money, and power reign supreme. So this story, obviously, is definitely for a more mature audience, and I would suggest it towards late high school, early entering college, um, because it is a true story, and it's about the, like like this analysis says, about the hardships of women in Saudi Arabia, um, especially during a time in which more and more freedoms for women were start to be taken away. And so since this is a true story, um, I feel like this would definitely appeal to those interested in history, um, interested in women's rights, interested in civil rights in general. It's a very, very riveting story, very sad uh, story in some respects, but it definitely opens your eyes to the struggles of different people in different positions around the world. And um, the story is told very, very well, and you can kind of put yourself in the shoes of this uh, woman who's living this life, um, regardless of her riches, it still is, as as synopsis said, changed to her role as a woman in Saudi Arabia. Um, and you get definitely more insight into what that actually means. I think that um, especially the, our relationship with um, Saudi Arabia and the Middle East right now, we get a lot of 
news um, and propaganda about what's going on uh, there, but I think that it's definitely very insightful to have firsthand um, someone who has actually experienced it from there telling the story. Um, And I think it really opens your eyes up to what it is actually like and helps you to kind of better understand what's being reported by the news um, or what you see in media. And so I think for those who are very big history buffs or very big civil rights, women's rights, feminists, um, interested in politics, it would it definitely would be a very fulfilling read. And I do suggest it, even if you're not interested, just pick it up and try it because it is a very, very um, important story, I believe, to look at the insights of other people who are suffering in ways that we, many of us are lucky, lucky enough to not be able to understand. Um, but I do believe that it's important to acknowledge and be aware of it. And that's why I believe this story is really, really important. And so I definitely suggest it. Again, that's Princess, the sto- a true story of the life behind the veil in Saudi Arabia. And this is by Jean Sassoon. Finally, the last book that I'm going to talk about is another one that I read very recently for my um, internship in the OR of a hospital that I worked at, um, which is the operating room. And it's called Cutting for Stone. It's by Abraham Verjeese. His last name is difficult to pronounce, but Abraham Verjeese. Um, it's about Marion and Shiva Stone, who are twin brothers born of a secret union between a beautiful Indian nun and a brash British surgeon, orphaned by their mother's death and their father's disappearance, bound together by prenatural connection and a shared fascination with medicine. The twins come of age as Ethiopia hovers on the brink of revolution. Moving from Adidas Ababa to New York City and back again, Cutting for Stone is an unforgettable story of love and betrayal, medicine and ordinary miracles, and two brothers whose fates are forever intertwined. So basically this story um, appeals to a lot of people interested in medicine um, because it's set around these two brothers and um, an environment in which they're surgeons, and uh, a lot of the time they talk about philosophies behind providing patient care and, like, when to operate um, while having a story between these brothers intertwined in that. So you get that medical aspect of the story while also getting the story story, which is indeed by itself very interesting. Um, Additionally, just a little bit more about the book, since we have some time, is another review by Erica Wagner of New York Times. I will not cut for stone runs in the text of the Hippocratic Oath, even the patients in whom the disease is manifest. I will leave this operation to be formed by practitioners, specialists in this art. Those words provide an epigraph partway through Abraham Virgisi's first novel, Cutting for Stone, and also explain the surname of its narrator, Marion Stone, along with his twin brother, Shiva, and their father, the almost entirely absent surgeon, Thomas Stone. Absent in body only, in spirit, Thomas's disappearance after birth haunts and drives this book. Yet until the reader comes across the oath well into the novel, the title may seem pleasing to the ear, but puzzling to the mind. It tries to do too many jobs at once. Um, Verges is a physician and already accomplished author. His two nonfiction books, My Own Country, um, which is about AIDS in rural Tennessee, and The Tennis Partner, a moving and honest memoir of difficult, intimate friendship, are justly celebrated. His commitment to both professions is admirable. Um, he's currently a professor at the Stanford University School of Medicine. 
Um, additionally, just more information about the author and um, what he what he does, so you get a little background that he is definitely um, committed to medicine. He has a background in medicine, but also in literature, and so that's basically. Um, help guide him through the book. And when I read it, I thought that, um, personally, I didn't like it as much as I liked other books, just from the way that the story was told. Um, It was a little bit, uh, I think maybe, (laughs) funny, um, I think it was just a little bit too structured, maybe too organized, too scientific writing, and I think that's probably from his background in medicine, but he does do a good job at portraying uh, the story um, If you once you get well into the book, um, and if you are interested in medicine, you can definitely appreciate um, his descriptions of the care that is described in the book um, and really and enjoy that aspect. So the story itself is very good. He does a, re- a relatively good job at describing the story, um, but I think it's more so that you get those medical aspects of the story and, um, you know, philosophy behind medicine and how to treat patients um, more than the drama between the two brothers. And so I think that if you're interested in medicine, this book is definitely one that I would try um, and pick up and uh, and enjoy. I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Just personally, for me, I like more... Uh, a fluffy language, maybe, as some high school teachers would call it when you write um, very fantasily. Um, but personally, that was my own opinion, but I'm sure many people would very much enjoy the way that he tells the story. And it also um, is interesting, too, because it takes place uh, in Ethiopia and different countries, and so you get a little bit more. Also, uh, you also get history uh, as well because he does a good job at following close to the history of the countries at that time. Um, so you get exposed to different cultures, religions, um, history, which I think is really cool in the book. Not not only are you being exposed to medicine, but all those different elements as well. So I think you can take a lot from the book, even if you perhaps don't necessarily like the story, you can learn a lot. And I think that's also an important um, job of of a book. And so these are basically my my top picks for books that I've read recently that I think are good for young readers up through college level. Um, this is another book since we had time. I wasn't sure if I was going to have time. But another book that I also read uh, a couple of years ago was called um, A Thousand Splendid Sons. And this also takes place in the Middle East. It's written um, by Khalid Husseini, who is the author of The Kite Runner, and um, this book is also has to do with the suffering of women in the Middle East, and it kind of, um, it does a great job at describing the change um, in the limitations that women had from before the Taliban came into power and then afterwards, and so it really helps provide a better picture, I think, of the culture in the Middle East and what actually occurred. I think, or at least I know, that I was ignorant of how exactly um, the issues in the Middle East came to be, especially when it came to the Taliban, until I read this book, because it's very much historical fiction. He uses a story to illustrate that change, and the story revolves around uh, a couple of women 
who are the wives of an abusive husband um, and their progression through life as the Taliban starts to take over their lives and um, inflict more limitations on women in general and their struggle through that. And it's also so it's also a very um, intense book. This one, again, like the princess book, is for older readers, probably around the end of high school towards early college, because it is intense and it's definitely very historical based. Um, but the story is very, very beautiful story and very inspiring as well, even though it's fiction. Um, but it's very informational, very historical based. And I think that's another great story to try to pick up. Um, again, that's. A Thousand Splendid Sons um, by Khalid, Khalid Husseini, which I also very much enjoyed and wanted to share with you guys. So I hope that uh, the audience can pick up one of these books and enjoy them. I really enjoyed these books, and I think that me personally, I love when people recommend books to me because I always have such a hard time finding books that I enjoy. And so these are books that I really, really enjoyed, and I think that definitely a lot of people... Uh, would benefit from reading these books. Even if you don't enjoy the story, I think you get exposed to a lot of culture, a lot of history in these books. Um, So you get much more out of it than if you're reading a romance that had nothing to do with culture or history or medicine or anything like that. And so I think that these books can cater to a lot of audiences, um, regardless if if you enjoy the particular story. So these are the books that I want to share with you. Just briefly, I'll say them again. The Book Thief by Marcus Zusick. Um, the Book Thief by Marcus Zusick. The Fountainhead and Rand. Princess, The True Story of the Life Behind the Veil in Saudi Arabia by Jean Sassoon. Cutting from Stone by Abraham Burgess. And A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khalid Husseini. Next week... Uh, next week's topic is to be announced, but that will be posted um, early, uh, latest tomorrow afternoon. And um, we'll see you again next week. Thank you for uh, bearing with me. I'm um, just a little bit. I hope it wasn't too bad um, for those who are listening that you could hear me clearly. Uh, and again, I appreciate all of those who listen and uh, enjoy our radio show. And we hope to have you again next time. Again, anytime if anyone wants to call in, um, you can call our number at 347-633-9225. We've always loved to have guests, um, so please do so if you're interested in talking. Again, thank you so much. Please join us for our next show. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org for monthly announcements and other happenings. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels.